1: Good morning, Brew Daily Show. I am Neil Freiman. And I'm Toby Howell. On today's show, we will discuss the four key things you need to know about the debt ceiling deal that was passed by the House last night. And New Zealand's National Airline wants to know how much you weigh before boarding a flight. Then we will dive into a
0: story about a nonprofit that tried to replace all its workers with an AI chatbot before finishing up by talking about the Scripps National Spelling Bee Finals that are taking place tonight. This section might even include a little spelling quiz for my good friend Neil over here. Hope you've been studying. Neil, it's Thursday, June 1st. Let's ride. Alright, I just want to give a huge shout out to everyone who listened to the podcast yesterday. We were kind of hoping that this new 7 a.m. start time would lead to a better listening experience for all of you guys. And holy moly, did you guys come through? Welcome to all the new people. We had our biggest download days ever, and we actually jumped up to number two on the business podcasting charts. On Dave Apple.
1: Ramsey, we're coming for it. I
0: know. Gosh, we just maybe we should go to 6 a.m. We can take down <laughs> Dave Ramsey. But yeah, big th- Thank big you. Big day. Everyone. Yeah.
1: Thanks to everyone uh, who listened, and welcome to all the new people. Apparently, my five alarm setup generated a lot of and I'm genuinely curious how else you would wake up at 4 a.m. I know I'm a two alarm guy. Oh, two just fewer I get, alarms.
0: Yeah, I just get a little nervous when I see five all in a row. So I'm a two guy.
1: Five gives me like this calming feeling, security. So anyway, uh, gotcha. yeah, people, people were talking about that.
0: I know. Thank you to everyone. All right, Neil, let's get into our top story. It's June 1st, which is officially the first day of Pride Month. And boy, is there a lot of controversy surrounding the LGBTQ space and how businesses align themselves with it. So to start off with, Bud Light is on the verge of losing its status as the number one beer in America. Sales ending the week of May 20th declined 26% compared to the same week in 2022. And overall, since the controversy, Bud Light has seen sales as declines of 17% and 24% in April and May, respectively. So what controversy am I referring to? Well, ever since Bud Light partnered with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney on April 1st, the brand has been the target of boycotts from its core kind of conservative leaning customers. And Neil, I remember we talked about this when it first kind of started getting steam and you know, we saw Kid Rock kind of shooting cases of yeah. Bud Light with a rifle and we didn't really give it too much time a day because we've seen these boycotts kind of gain a ton of publicity right. and get a bunch of airtime and then fizzle out before they can leave kind of a lasting business impact, but that doesn't seem
1: to be the case with Bud Light. No, it feels like a broader push against woke corporations, uh, or what is considered woke corpora- corporations. But usually this this Pride Month feels a little different because mm-hmm. usually corporations are criticized by the left for doing what's known as rainbow capitalism. You know, they put a rainbow branding on everything. They sponsor these. Pri- it's like Pride Parade sponsored by Citigroup. And everyone's <laughs> like, uh, OK. But the point is that uh, they're criticized on the left for saying this is like surface level solid with the LGBTQ community. Um, but now there's been a ton of pushback on the right this year because they think corporations have sold out to you know what they call the woke mob. And companies' response to that has been criticized by the left because they're acquiescing to conservative pushback. So now they're in this very delicate situation where they're getting hate from both yeah, sides. Yeah, rocking
0: a hard place for sure. I also want to take a moment to compare what is happening with Bud Light to what is happening with Chick-fil-A and Target. Mm-hmm. So both of these co- companies have also been kind of at the center of this conservative mailstorm that we're talking about they've received backlash from a small set of shoppers target uh, actually after receiving backlash from a small set of tar- shoppers target started removing pride themed item from its shelves just before Pride Month kicked off, and Chick-fil-A, which is one of the more yeah. conservative- They're literally not open on Sunday. I know, leaning institutions in America, and who has for years donated against uh, LGBTQ charities, also started receiving backlash because they hired a VP of diversity, equity, mm-hmm. and inclusion. So obviously there's a lot going on in this kind of conservatives applying pressure to brands uh, using their wallets, but I think, the, the difference between those three companies that I just mentioned is that Bud Light is the only one seeing just a true impact of sales. Um, I mean, Target stock price has taken a, a pretty substantial hit mm. over the last few weeks. But I think it's because Bud Light just serves the most replaceable product like beer. I hate, to, yeah. I hate to say it, but beers kind of taste relatively the same, and we're seeing this in the, in the data because even as Bud Light sales have kind of fallen over the past weeks, Miller Light is up 20% over the same period. Coors Light is up 22% of the co- same period. So they're basically
1: absorbing all those sales from Bud Light. Yeah. This whole thing started with uh, Ron DeSantis' war on Disney last year, and it's only ramped up. And yeah, the Bud. I think it, it, Bud Light was the main lightning rod recently, and now what's happening to Target, uh, Chick Fil A? Uh, that might be a small thing, but also it's happening at Kohl's, which is selling some Pride items. Uh, it's it, everyone's calling like Bud Lighting, <laughs> and now there's actually we read this yesterday, which was super interesting. There's a anti woke spack called Columbia acquisition corp and it's an online marketplace for companies in what it calls the patriot economy that that company includes a section called ditch target 2.0
0: yeah i i think it's very funny that first of all spacs are back in the news it hasn't been it's been a minute since we talked about those but yeah now i think it's more just a capitalizing on like the current uh, I don't know topic de jour and calling it an anti woke spec. Who knows how good this yeah.
1: this company actually
0: is, oh. and we'll see what their financials actually are. But it's definitely making
1: it's just yeah. yeah it, right it, now. it feels like it's capitalizing on this particular political moment. Uh, speaking of politics, let's move on to our the debt ceiling, which uh, this circus is on mile twenty five <laughs> of its marathon, so it's almost over. Uh, despite some detractors uh, from lawmakers yesterday, the House passed the agreement last night that would suspend the debt ceiling through 2025 it'll head to the senate next where it should pass and then biden will sign it into law and we won't have to hear about this again thank thankfully, goodness for a few years uh, there are a bunch of important measures included in this deal that are not specifically debt ceiling related so toby and i are just going to run through those really quickly so uh, you know what those are first of all this <laughs> if you wanted to reduce the deficit by you know that this whole thing is about reducing guard you know limiting government spending and having us not breach the debt ceiling all the time, but this is not really going to do much to that regard. Uh, the agreement would cut spending by $1.5 trillion over the next 10 years, according to the CBO. Uh, that sounds like a lot, but it's really just a drop in the bucket. It means the federal debt, which is now 97% of GDP, will rise to around 115% of GDP in a decade instead of 119%. Uh, and that's because the largest spending areas of the government are just off limits. We're, we're not touching those. Those are Social Security, Medicare, the military. That accounted for 77% of of last year's budgets. Um, So if you, we only, the lawmakers only focused on cutting spending in less than 15% of the overall budget, which is called non-defense discretionary spending. Crumbs. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, So, I mean, some people will say, You know, many, many Democrats will say, like, yeah, we're not touching Social Security or Medicare. We would never do that. But um, so anyone who's billing this as sort of like restraining government spending uh, is not correct.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. The next thing that you guys should know about is student loan payments are starting back up. Mm -hmm. So student loan repayments have been on hold since March of 2020, which has been costing the government roughly five billion a month in lost revenue. And this new debt agreement would require some 43 million Americans to resume those payments starting in September, which is slightly earlier than expected. I say slightly because the education secretary was ready to restart loan payments around the same time anyways, but this is a real tough blow if you're a normal person who likes to you know have money in your bank account some economists are estimating that restarting these loan payments could result in a 40 billion reduction in disposable income for households and i quote from a former federal reserve economist these aren't trivial payments so it cannot be good for demand
1: mm-hmm. so Brutal, brutal blow for people who just like spending money, basically. Well, it's going to it was going to happen no matter what. Mm -hmm. But there is this uh, Biden's plan to freeze or to cancel up to twenty thousand dollars in student debt per borrower. That is separate from this. And that is being heard. That was heard by the Supreme Court and they're they're expected to issue a ruling this month. Mm -hmm. So that'll be something really closely to watch. The next thing that we want to tell you about is this controversial six point six billion pipeline that is getting expedited over the concerns of environmental mental advocates it's called the mountain valley pipeline and it's going to carry natural gas across a thousand streams and wetlands from west virginia to virginia how did this pass uh this this is seen this is like politics at its finest this is seen as a gift to joe manchin who's the democratic senator from west virginia and who's a big supporter of the pipeline um, in exchange for his crucial vote last year for the biden administration's inflation reduction act for some liberals, this is seen as another false promise by the Biden uh, administration to rein in emissions. He already approved, the, remember, the Willow Oil Project last mm-hmm. year in Alaska, which is one of the biggest oil projects on federal land ever. And this is just a little bit of politicking uh, to uh, get know. everyone it, on board. But uh, environmental advocates are not this happy is, about this pipeline. This is Biden scratching Manchin exactly. back after Manchin
0: scratched his. That's exactly right. OK, the final thing, uh, final Thing that this deal uh, addresses is that there's some changes to the food stamp program in the U.S. Uh, this program is known as the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, not to be confused with Snapchat. Um, so it extends, I, I know, it extends the work requirement from the top age of 49 currently to 54. But actually, in a strange turn of events, because Republicans actually wanted to pull back spending here, this deal results in more people being eligible to get food stamps because there's a ton of new exemptions for veterans or people experiencing homelessness. So in total, about 78,000 additional people would gain benefits per month on average rather than losing it. So just a a crazy, again, that somehow we are... Increasing spending here on this program when a lot of people thought that there was gonna be some cuts. There was cuts gonna be going cuts. Forward. Yeah, so some yeah.
1: people say that Biden kind of steamrolled McCarthy, yeah. uh, the House Speaker, with this deal. But again, it doesn't seem like the needle has moved much with this debt ceiling deal. It's kind of what would have happened anyway during mm-hmm. the, the normal uh, budget process of the government. So um. I'm just glad that they're voting on it and that hopefully, hopefully we'll have
0: more exciting and uh, things to talk about going forward. All right, let's move on to our next story. Neil, turns out that not every job is replaceable by AI and nor should they be. That's what the National Eating Disorders Association found out when it tried to replace the scores of workers and volunteers who manned its help hotline with an AI bot named TESSA. This is a juicy story already, Neil, and it gets juicier because after its workers decided to unionize in early May, NEDA executives announced that by June 1st, a.k.a. today, it would be ending its help hotline after 20 years and using its new wellness chatbot, Tessa, as the main support system available on its platform going forward. Rollout did not exactly go to plan because turns out Tesla is not great at giving advice. It was recommending unhealthy eating habits, like cutting a thousand calories a day to, to some people who were coming to it for help. And this has created a ton of backlash, obviously, because it's probably just another instance of people thrusting too much responsibility and placing too much trust in an AI chatbot where it probably shouldn't.
1: Yeah, I mean, this thing had been in development since 2022, and we should say that it is not ChatGPT-related. <laughs> like, this was before ChatGPT. It's, it feels more of like a customer service bot, which, even, which sounds even I worse know. when you're talking about, like, crisis counseling and the fact that uh, people were calling in in a time of vulnerability and distress in their lives, and you get a chatbot at the, at the other end. Yeah. It seems like a little bit of a mistake to just kind of apply the AI chatbot band-aid to a particularly sensitive uh, profession that right. s- feels like you need actual human empathy. And we're, we're realizing now from this episode that, maybe robots yet cannot replace human empathy.
0: I know just a, a, a big win for humans in general, but also like, it's crazy that there's the union busting side of this, that they yeah. fired all their workers and said, you, you get you, it is touching on all the hot button topics that are around AI. And yeah, we're seeing that you can't just replace your entire workforce with, with a single
1: AI right. bot. So, we have, we have seen that in some, in some industries, you know, IBM said it was, you know, freezing hiring and it was going to replace maybe a third of its future mm-hmm. hires with, automation and and there was an article the other day about hedge funds using ChatGPT to sort of comb through documents. So there may be particular use cases Not AI help. Yeah, I feel like chat that, you know, when you look on some of the uh, industries that chat GPT or AI could replace, you know, customer service is one of them. For sure. But this is nothing that this feels like the most akin to customer service because you're you're asking for help from another Mm -hmm. person. But this is not. uh, Yeah, it it was not effective. Yeah, a little too sensitive. All right. Before we jump into the next story, we're
0: going to take a quick break.
1: All right, Toby, New Zealand's national airline, Air New Zealand, is asking passengers to weigh not only their luggage, but also themselves when they board international flights. This is a program intended to determine the average weight of its planes before takeoff, which is something airlines need to know to fly a plane safely. Air New Zealand is complying with a requirement from the country's airline regulator, the Civil Aviation Authority, to determine the weight of its of its passengers through this program. So, just to calm your concerns, when you're flying back home from New Zealand, first of all, this is completely voluntary. You do not have to weigh yourself when you board this plane, and when you step on the scale, your weight won't flash before everyone like uh, when it, like it is with luggage when you know you go yeah. over 50 pounds and you have to pay extra. It'll be sent to a secure database where it'll be anonymized uh, according to the airline. Air New Zealand is hoping to get at least 10,000 volunteers before this program is over this month.
0: It is a crazy headline to hear when you first read it because you're like, wait a second, they're going to make me weigh myself. And then, yeah, throughout uh, doing research for this, we found that this is not the first time that weight in airlines have kind of been in the news. An airline called Samoa Air in 2013 actually launched a program
1: where they were charging people by their weight. This is not that. This is just getting getting data. But it makes sense for samoa air i mean i i'm not defending that decision but i'm yeah. saying samoa air is in the pacific islands where smaller planes are extra sensitive to balancing weight mm-hmm. um and so it you know an extra couple uh, more pounds will cause it to burn a lot more fuel mm-hmm. um so no weight matters in weight a- matters airlines but obviously again another
0: sensitive topic and you don't want to be <laughs> i already get secondhand like embarrassment when i'm weighing my bag and i'm yeah. like oh i hope it's not over 50 pounds like please please be nice to me so
1: i i can see why people when they saw this headline were like whoa, whoa wait a second yeah but but then it's sort of like uh then you dive in a little bit and you're like oh this is super interesting it actually could help out the industry in general to know like someone's got to do it kind of thing right exactly <laughs> experts were like yeah well thank you air new zealand because now uh, many airlines around the world are about to get some valuable information about their uh Yeah, let's let's get more efficient, better fuel economy, I'm all for it. All right, uh, Neil, let's move on to our Thursday segment called Neil's Numbers, where I run you through three stats that I read in the week's news. Favorite segment of the week. All right, here we go, ready? First, is uh, you know how as a kid you went to a beach and tried to dig a hole to China?
0: Oh, many a time.
1: Well, China is pulling a reverse. It's drilling a ridiculously deep hole 10,000 meters or almost 33,000 feet into the Earth's crust. This hole will go through 10 layers of rock and reach the literal Cretaceous era when it hits rock that is 145 million years old. Uh, so, why dig a deep hole? Great question. President Xi Jinping wants to explore deep earth to find mineral and energy resources and also to detect te- tectonic disasters like earthquakes and volcanoes. Surprisingly, this won't be the deepest hole ever made by humans in 1989 for some reason russia drilled a hole more than 40,000 feet deep and it only took 20 years <laughs> this is honestly
0: gets me excited i don't know if it is because the kid in me but there's something so intoxicating about just digging as deep as you can so let's hope they find i don't know something good or maybe i don't maybe know we don't want them to find they said it was going to be
1: hard they said it was going to be like the construction difficulty of the drilling project it was compared to a big truck driving on two thin steel cables yeah
0: i it, it doesn't hard. sound easy I know. I, like
1: five feet down, I stop and get bored. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Thanks to a new CDC report we know what is by far the leading cause of restaurant food poisoning in the U S and it is sick workers making the food 40% of all restaurant food poisoning outbreaks with a known cause between 2017 and 2019 are linked to food workers who showed up while sick or contagious Uh, experts said this is what happens when you don't have paid sick leave employees feel the need to come into work even if they're not feeling well because they need the paycheck the U S is the only wealthy country in the world without federal paid sick leave and only 44% of restaurant managers told the CDC in their report that they offered paid sick leave.
0: Yeah, I mean, we. I remember when like the Chipotle outbreak happens. I remember when these things happened, and I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, you don't want people who are, have the sniffles handling
1: your no, food. No, but you need to pay them to stay home. Yeah. Uh, fa- our final one pertains to this uh, Miami Heat versus the Denver Nuggets <laughs> uh, NBA Finals tonight. Uh, I caught a lot of hate for uh, saying the Jazz. Uh, hey, that just means we
0: have listeners who are listening
1: closely, so thank you everyone right. who caught Neil saying. The jazz, anyway, the game is on tonight, and I'll get to the numbers. So, everyone on the court is being paid very handsomely, Mm -hmm. including the Nuggets mascot. So, according to a new report by the Sports Business Journal, the performer who plays the Nuggets mascot Rocky makes (laughs) $625,000 per year, which is 10 times the pay of the average NBA mascot. Who is this performer and how do we learn salary negotiation tips from them? Uh, The Fox affiliate in Denver did some investigative reporting and they think that the Rocky is played by this family of performers. Uh, It's believed that this family is related to a guy named Ken Solomon, who was Rocky in 1990 and may have passed the torch to, at the very least, his son. So in my mind, we've got the Soprano-style shakedown happening on the front range with the Solomon mascot mafia.
0: I think... I think he deserves every single penny because I've seen him do like the trampoline dunks the oh so he, oh, he he's okay. very very he's athletic like very good he comes down from the ceiling sometimes on like cables
1: really? so I think he's he's underpaid who, should, who do you think should be the highest paid mascot in sports oh
0: man what who, what's the uh, the Phillies fanatic yeah it's that clearly the suit, fanatic that suit is so Rebellion. heavy <laughs> yeah I always think I'm like dang that is carrying some weight he's right also there. the
1: cutest and he's got the dances and he's got his little ATV, yeah. Iconic. he should be paid. I'm definitely ten million dollars. I'm preaching to the choir because we got a lot of Philly fans yes. uh, involved with this
0: show. All right, Neil, thank you for those numbers. As always, I always just leave with a big smile on my face because I learned so much. Let's move on to our final story. I am super pumped to finish the show with this story, or should I say, I find myself brimming with an elevated sense of enthusiasm as we approach the culmination of this performance. I said that with such pedantic rigor because that's because the Scripps National Spelling Bee Finals are today. So over the past two days, a field of 231 middle and high schoolers ranging from just nine years old up to 14 years old have been whittled down to a field of 11 finalists. This year's winners will go home with $50,000 in the cash prize as well as the official championship trophy. Honestly, this is always such a fun time of year and especially for just kind of nerds i guess like us it's very
1: fun i'm a i'm a geography bee guy personally but Mm -hmm. i do love watching the spelling bee uh it's been running since 1925 so i think this is the oldest national you know education promotion that the u.s has and just keeps trucking love the 25th annual sputnam county spelling bee (laughs) musical everything about you know educational competitions we're all for Akeelah and the bee great movie as well
0: but in honor of the spelling bee, I want to put you on the hot seat. So I went through Scripps National Spelling Bee's study list, and I snagged three words of varying difficulties. They break it down into level one, level two, and level three. Okay. So I took one from each one, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the words and see
1: how you All do. Right, I'm going to turn. I can't use a scratch pattern. No scratch pattern. Right, I'm going to turn down my computer.
0: <laughs> a man of honor. Okay, your first word, fuchsia. Fuchsia. You can you can ask for the language F- of origin if you I want. know.
1: I, I don't care about the language <laughs> of origin. F-U-C-H-S-I-A.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Absolutely nailed it. That, I gave that one to my roommate last night. I'm not kidding. It took him 23 tries to figure it out. so all right. Uh, and we'll be done. all
1: downhill from here.
0: Well done. Okay. Level two,
1: connoisseur. C-O-N. Oh, no. N. E. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say random letters now because I'm definitely not. Conn. C O N N E S S I E U R. You had all the right letters, uh-huh. but not in the right order. It is C O N N O I S S E U R. Okay. I was just I'm happy that I got the two Ns and the two Ss. Yeah. No. That's what I was. You were doing well. It's the con No. It's a C-O-N-N-O that that is the C O N N O That is a hard level. word to spell. All right. Level three <laughs> oh, God. is Whippoorwill I don't even know what that means. It is
0: a medium-sized bird within the nightjar family, and the language of origin is itself, it is imitative of its call. So it's whippoorwill. Yeah, exactly.
1: Wait, say it again? Whippoorwill. Uh, All right. Um, W. uh, (laughs) It's not W? No, it's W. Okay. (laughs) Well, I don't know if there's going to be an H here. Uh, I. We're going to go no H. Uh, W-I-P-P. Whipper. Uh, whipper i r w h i r l <laughs> not
0: quite <laughs> again you got most of the letters w h i p p o o r w i l l so whip poor, will
1: there you go. Yeah, I you did really well. I want to keep going. Great to start this. with this. Is with very fun
0: with fuchsia and connoisseur was close, and then whipper will was yeah.
1: That's a level. Whipper three. will right there. So whipper will tune in I, tonight. W h i r l. Yeah, tune in tonight. I think it's on like a weird channel. Yeah, we'll like, probably stream it. I O N uh, at eight p.m. tonight. Alright, that is our show. Uh, I am buzzing with energy after that spelling bee. Uh, if you have any other words you want us to spell or any other comments or questions about the episode, uh, definitely write in to us or say hi at Morning Brew Daily at MorningBrew.com. Huge shout out to our crew who makes our show happen. Emily Milliron is our editor and producer. Samantha Velas and Raymond Liu are the associate producers. Yuchenna Waogu is our technical director. Billy Menino is on audio. Hair and makeup went to go try out to become an NBA mascot, unsurprisingly. Uh, Devin Emery is our chief content officer, and our show is a production of Morning Brew. Great
0: show today, Neil. Let's run it back tomorrow.